for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. All right, I am blue. You are bright and shiny in my mind. You got me loving, hating, crazy indecision in my mind. Welcome to the Fall Podcast, where the focus is on deer hunting, tips, tricks, tactics, and stories from across the Midwest. And now, here is your host, Aaron Blisey. Welcome to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blisey, and this is episode number 65. And today on the podcast, I have returning guest, Aaron Swan. Uh, If anybody follows the fall podcast i actually had aaron on back on episode 10 i believe it was um we talked about a couple deer that he shot here in michigan in one night and he was like 283 inches of total antler he shot one night out of one stand 50 minutes apart so if you guys haven't listened to that one go back and listen to that as well uh to give you a little backstory aaron aaron and i grew up together he's you know my best friend best hunting buddy you know and uh, him and I have done a lot together over the years and you know we talk a lot and what we're going to do with our farms and and where to hang stands and everything we do everything you know together so it's uh, pretty cool I had him come on here and and today we're going to talk about small acres and we really break down his 20 acres that he bought this will be his going into his fifth season on it he bought 20 acres and we call it little Texas because it looks a lot like Texas and we break that down year by year, what he did with food plots and stands and, you know, things that he did differently throughout, you know, year to year, second year, third year, fourth year, you know, and they've killed some really good deer on that farm. And, you know, driving by this farm, if you knew where it was, it'd be like, this is a farm that, you know, you, it'd be nothing. It'd be an overlooked piece. And that's what makes it so unique. And uh, he's able to hold a lot of deer and be able to be successful on it and the one thing about Aaron is is he works his tail off to be successful he, he's got terrible luck I will tell you that he's got terrible luck but he makes up for that in working his butt off I mean he puts in food plots every year and does everything the right way to get himself in a good position you know to be able to be successful and really you know capitalize on the goals that he sets for himself every year so that's the biggest thing with him is he works harder than anybody that I know when it comes to deer hunting, whether that's hanging stands or putting in food plots and stuff. And he's, he's got a knack for it. He, he's, you know, he's done really well over the years and year in and year out, it seems like he's always getting on deer, whether, you know, he kills them or not, you know, he's having encounters with them and he's just, you know, he thinks outside the box and that's always a, always a good guy to learn from, you know, so I really think you guys will get a lot out of this, you know, and it's a lot about the small acres and and what he does. And, you know, you guys might be able to take something out of what he does and, and what I do maybe to implement on your farm. So hopefully you guys will enjoy it. I'm sure you guys will. So without further ado, here is Aaron Swan. All right, we are back for another episode of the Fall Podcast, and today I actually have a guest down in the man cave here, and it's my best friend, Aaron Swan. Swan, what's happening, man? 
How are we doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, you know, we had I had you on the podcast episode ten. It was a while ago. It's been a long time ago. It's been a while. And uh, today it's Sunday, June. What is it? June ninth. And uh, I just got done shooting the total archery challenge the other day. And we are heavy into food plots and uh, farm management. It's right around the corner. That's for sure. Yeah, it is. That's what I wanted to talk about today is just small properties and, and just kind of do a, a BS here about what, what we got going on. And I really want to break down your 20 acres because you're, what, how many years are you into that now? Four or five years? Uh, this will be the fifth year, I believe. Okay. So your yeah. fifth year. So, and it's come a long way and, um, you know, we're in that stage right now with food plots and getting the trail cams out and starting to see the bucks on velvet and all that. And uh, you've been doing a lot of work. I think you just actually wrapped up all your food plots, didn't you, yesterday? Yeah, yep. Uh, yesterday, last night, finally, the last two days, been hard at it. But uh, finally, 2019, man, I'm done everything, which is nice. And they got rain coming in this afternoon. It's like a godsend. <laughs> it is. It's good to have that rain. And uh, before we get too far, everybody that, you know, hasn't heard the podcast with Aaron before, I think it was called uh, 283 Inches in One Night in Michigan. So little backstory, uh, two years ago now, it was two years, yeah. wasn't it? Two yep. hunting seasons ago, Aaron had a night of his life that anybody hunter or any hunter would love. And uh, you had your two target bucks come out 50 minutes apart and killed both of them. One was... What a hundred and forty, forty-five and some change, and then fifty minutes later, he came, and then one thirty-nine yep. came out and killed both. So on October fourth, yeah, what it was, yep. And uh, if you guys haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to that one. It's a pretty cool story. So that's kind of the gist of it. I mean, you and I have been friends for a long time, been hunting buddies for a long time, and basically, I mean, year in year out, you and I do all our hunting stuff together. I mean. One one facet or the next. I mean, we're always together doing that stuff. Yep. So today, let's start. I mean, let's break down the twenty acres in what what I kind of dubbed. I don't know if you call it Little Texas, but it's a little. Yeah. I know it is Little Texas, so we'll call it Little Texas. But I mean, when you bought it, that's what it looked like was Texas. Kind of. I mean, it was just autumn olives all over and thick. Bre- not a lot of trees on there. No, more or less no trees. I got you know five six actual trees that i can put stands in which are two or in decent spots the rest are more more or less right on top of the road so um but it's gotten a lot thicker as far as the autumn olive goes since when i bought it but you're exactly right i mean i think you were the one that first said it looks like a little texas and it did i mean it was just sparse all autumn olive and it's been it's been a tough go it's uh I mean, I knew it was in a good spot, but uh, it's it's been a learning curve, that's for sure, especially being a small parcel. Right, and it's one of those prop pieces of property you drive by and you're like, it's overlooked. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that's there might be how many trees do you think you can put a stand in and is on the property? Um, I mean, that are in an even remotely decent spot. Most of them are right down that wood line, yep. and that's right over top of the road. So um, probably four yeah all four i've had stands in yep (laughs) and so you've been utilizing box blinds yeah which i want to get into a little bit here too because i'm kind of getting to that next year is gonna start using some box box blinds on the one acre you know and try to not a lot of trees over there either and if i got to get into a spot i got to do that but um so yeah i mean it's a 20 acres it's it's on the corner of two roads so you're right on the corner there and it's tall grass, you know, knee-high grass, but autumn olives all over, you know, so you can't see through the property at all, you know. And what, you know, year one, let's start with year one, you know, what was your game plan? I mean, I know what it was, but tell everybody out there what your game plan and your goals were for year one. Well, I mean, mainly it was, when I seen the property, it was for sale by owner, Um it had a a house a, a house that was actually on moving beams and it had an old trailer an old barn it used to be part of an old farmstead it was a it was quite a chunk and then it got split up throughout the 
generations, I guess I should should say. However, um, when I bought it, the main plan was to put a house on it. I didn't particularly think that it was going to be somewhere where I would be haunting more or less. It was it was going to be a place to build a house. It was not too far, three miles as a crow flies from the main farm, um, the Christmas tree farm, and the goal was just to put a house on it, and then that, you know, that's closed on it in fall. The next spring, I had put out some mineral and put a camera on it and started seeing the deer that were out there and was more or less blown away. So then it turned into now maybe do we put a house on it? Do you wait and put a house on it? Or let's make something happen as far as killing some deer out here. So So when you went into that first fall, I mean, I don't remember what I did yesterday, so you're going to have to refresh (laughs) my memory. What happened that first fall? Did you guys kill anything? You did kill two bucks on that, right? Three. Three bucks. Yep. Oh, um, that's the year your dad killed that big one over yeah, there too. Yep. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll blame you for that one. <laughs> it's not my fault. You didn't have to drink that much the night before. Well, um no, that was uh you know, it didn't do a lot. I did put in I put in one food plot, which has been I mean, still hands down the best spot on the property. It's a low spot. There was one cherry tree and it's got autumn olive growing all the way around it, so you know, something coming in looking up i mean the tree looks like it's just completely bare you're out in the middle of nothing but you actually from looking up from the ground when you're close you do actually got quite a bit of cover um so that was the only food plot that i had put in and how big was it you know it's kind of like i actually have made it a little bigger through the years i've made it more like a horseshoe now but that year i just went small simple um probably 15 yards wide by 30 yards long or so. And it kind of wrapped around the autumn olive and everything, right? So the deer had to be right tight to you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, the outskirts of that whole food plot, it is, I mean, it was probably like not quite a half moon shape, but 20 yards max shot anywhere from that 10 to 20 yard shot for the most part. So, so were any deer betting on you or were you kind of a destination or a transition? You know, it was hard to tell. I think, I mean, at one point I think they were, they were betting on me, but with that out of Malive, that's been a whole feat for me. Um, there's no travel patterns. I mean, they right. come out of anywhere, they go out anywhere. I know they bed there, but I don't know for how long. Right. You know, I don't know if that's actually their home territory, which I do after the years. I actually do have some deer that I know bed there. Some doe family groups yeah. and stuff. Yep. yep. But for the most part, you know, there's some big hardwoods that are untouched to the south of me, and I know that's where the majority of the bucks mm-hmm. stay. And that's a big section to the south of you. Yeah, it's a lot of woods yep. and. Yep. So in that, and and you're kind of in a good. I mean, you're in a really good area actually. So there's a lot of good surrounding around you, and that just goes to show you, like, you know, I've said it before on the podcast. It doesn't matter how much ground you have, as long as it's in the right, you know, general area, and you do the right things to it. And I'm starting to see that on the one acre as well, you know, different kind of different scenario, but um, same kind of results in a way. But, you know, you got a lot of good, you know, hunters around you too that are like managing and and everybody's on the same page. But uh, to go back to that first year, so you had this one food plot and what what did you plant in that? Um, I think the first year, if I remember back, was just strictly rape and... um uh, medium red clover. Yep. That was, I mean, I stuck with that pretty simple. And did you just have the two stands on there, the cherry tree? And then the, was it the Southeast corner? Yes. Southeast corner you just had. So, you know, going through the fall, how did, how did that come to be? Like, where was, was the deer movement like you thought it was going to be, or, you know, was it a surprise or like a letdown? Um, you know, actually at that point, the first couple of years, I didn't hunt that much. Um, the majority of it, just being the fact of with those couple trees, you either have to be really aggressive, take your chances, but yeah. the wind, the wind was not right for it a lot of times, um, and my ex at the time had actually hunted it for the most part, but um, the deer movement was, I mean, you're always seeing deer out there. Yeah. It was always seeing good bucks. It was more or less a learning curve and trying to you know, at first I would try to play the wind a lot out there, and then I learned that you had to be a little more aggressive 
out there. Right. Take a so, chance or two. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I'm fine with the one acre. It's like, you know you're not supposed to do that, but it's like that's the only thing I have. Like, And then you go in there and do that, and it pays off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like push the envelope a little bit. But also I, I find, too, that it's I'm kind of keeping myself out of there more if the wind's not right, and it helps. You know, it might be only – you might only set it three, four times, but those three, four times, something's going to happen yep. in those three because you're not back there all the time and doing it. Yeah. So – but then, it, you know, you guys, you didn't kill a buck until, what was it, late, late October or November in there? <clears throat> I believe hers was the first one she had killed, and it would have been, yeah, that last week of October, first week of November. For some reason, it was like October 24th or something. I know they were head. rutted up because it was one of the worst smelling bucks that I had ever smelled. Really? Um, and, you know, there was lots of opportunities coming leading up to that. But, yeah, that was the first buck and it was you know not a giant hundred and god if i can remember right like 115 inch nine point um older deer huge deer uh so that was you know that was kind of the the set it off point and then the next two um you know we hunted on and off through that first year bow um i kind of stuck to the main farm and but we seen lots of them and then the next one wasn't till i had killed that eight point in rifle season yep um third day in and then uh and you put a box blind up for rifle season right yeah is that when you put it yep. on the west side of the farm yep i put that in actually and that was kind of a last minute deal um she had accepted a new job she was gonna get to hunt more and i was gonna be over there so we put a box blind in and you know did it right in the middle of the rut and i kind of kind of scared me but literally put it in that night the next night i sat and deer all over the place i yep. mean right next to it and then that was the year that dad killed, you know, he came in and what was it, November 29th? It was right 29th. after Thanksgiving because I was home and we decided to have play cards and drink beer yep, at, at my deer day. camp <laughs> all deer, all day and all night. And then he shows up the next morning with this, what was he, 138 or something like that? 136. Yeah. Yep, it was a nine. Stud. Which, you know, for a 20-acre <laughs> parcel first year – I had seen him with a bow because that was the the year that I had taken a voluntary layoff for a month, and that was the only day in November that I did not hunt. So I'm still gonna give you the blame for that because I still hear about it. So let's be honest, though, that's your dad's luck. It is. The year before he killed a big one, and the the 26th. I mean, killing deer after November 15th in Michigan, good deer is a Difficult. slim slim chance difficult around us yep but that guy's got patience yeah he seems to make it happen so. well and let's let's be honest too I, I you know he does do a lot of work but he did piggyback off all your work oh he did you know yeah, absolutely my dad's did it on me a couple times and uh-huh. it pisses me right <laughs> off <laughs> yeah he knew too because he was supposed to come up to camp that night and yep, he called he me and he he heard how uh how possibly intoxicated we might have been and he i knew he took the chance and so when he called me, it wasn't eight thirty that next morning. You know, I'm sitting there and I was not answering the phone. Finally, <laughs> the third time, it was hurting my head so bad. I'm like, "What do you want?" He's like, "Well, you know, I shot a buck. It's a good buck." I says, "Okay." He's like, "How you feeling?" It's like, "Not good. What do you want?" <laughs> well, that'd be a good time to tell you that I killed him out of your blind, huh? <laughs> I'm like, you know, of course, right out of bed I go, and it was a uh, yeah, it was a good buck. That's he for was, sure. He was. So that was year one. You yep. killed three bucks on there. And then coming into year two, I know you had another game plan of to expand a little bit. And so, you know, break down your game plan coming into year two then. Well, you know, for when I had bought that, it had been more or less untouched for, I honestly, I don't know how many years, but they had one rifle blind on there that no one had hunted in quite a while. So for, to my knowledge, it was more or less untouched. So going into it, um, I wanted to go small at first, you know, I don't want to, I mean, especially with no trees and stuff, yep. you don't, I felt as if I went too big right away, it was going to screw them up and push them out of there. So year two, um, I went on to another small food plot, kind of more or less towards the, the south uh, west corner where I had put that rifle blind right down in front of it and, and stuck with the other one too. Um, you know, if I remember right, year two, we did not kill, we did not kill one off there. Uh, we seen 
several actually i drew back twice on the biggest buck i've ever i mean that i've ever drawn back on it to date still and uh that was you know it was kind of that's that was my goal and it still is is just kind of slowly year year after year add maybe a little something right. here or there without doing too much harm yep so now to kind of get sidetracked here a little bit do you think that there ever comes a time where you're like okay i think i've done all the changes i need to do now i just need to maintain that or do you think it's something that you always have to be adapting and year in year out and doing different things um i think yeah i think you can go at least with the way my setup is i think you can go too far and i don't want to um i'm gonna plan on continually doing the plots i got and maybe expanding a couple feet here or there whatever but you know, as far as once I get to my goal of what I want, it's just going to be adding, you know, my goal is to add like two apple trees every yep. year or some pine trees. And um, my biggest feat, which, you know, we can talk about also, and I know you're going to do some, is putting in some borders around, yep. um, trying to conceal it a little more. Because I do, without having any trees, I get cars coming up and down the right. roads. And I mean... There's a couple pockets through there you can see kind of in the property, too. Yeah, and if yeah. you go to my one gate, I mean, if you really looked back, you can see me sitting right in the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's it's not seemed to affect me thus far, but, I mean, the cars drive by, and they drive by real slow when they see my truck out there, and it just, it's constantly in the back of my head as, is there a big buck standing up there that right. he just took off the other way because the car pretty right. much stopped. Yep. So, um but yeah, I think I think I could go too far with it, and I'm getting close to what I want. It's just then it's just more or less maintaining it and adding a little, you know, some trying to get some more trees in there at some point, some cover. And I agree, and I think firsthand, and I think you'd attest to it, the beehive on our on my family farm. You know, I shot that good buck in there on what was it uh 2015 or 16 i can't remember but it was one of those things you and i hung that stand and trimmed that's it we just trimmed the lanes and i mean it was a honey hole and then the next year i went in there and there was a little opening and i I decided to cut some trees and try to make a little plot in there and put a water hole and i totally like fucked it all up like it literally changed everything no deer movement through there didn't see a deer at all and i'm like damn it you know, and I screwed it up. So it's like, that's, I mean, I think every hunter always and manager always like tries to play with that fine line. What is too much? What isn't, you know? And I think with you like changing, you know, putting some new trees and, and stuff like that, I think is fine. And then putting some borders up like border patrol or sorghum or whatever and food plots, I don't think they mind, but when you get in there and really start developing and like opening things up a little more and, you know, making it so it's not as thick like I did, it really hurts them. And I, 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 that was like a light bulb moment that year. And it was like, okay, I went way too far and I screwed that up, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, a, a deer, whether we get in camera, I mean, you know, we could have 15 cameras overlooking one field and that deer can walk between them without right. not getting seen. And they're, I mean, they're 100% looking at their surroundings at all. all. Time at all points so when you change one little thing i mean even a food plot so i mean change change is good but there's they're just like people they change messes with their minds yeah and like you said with the beehive uh that buck knew all them deer you had a lot of deer in there that a lot year. of deer and it was small it was concealed you knew from the get-go that they were going to be on top of you and it yep. was going to be tight but they felt safe doing it. And, I mean, yeah. it goes to show that he came in the first night and he felt safe and you got it done. But as yep. soon as you open that up, it's just, I mean, you like just completely Like my pictures changed. went down too. Yeah. Like my dear, my dear pictures. and You was, know that you were putting things in there that they wanted, I mean, that they would want, but at the same point you did it all right there. And you, that was, of course, you guys got a lot of pressure up there too. Yep. And that was one of the spots that was completely unpressured for how many years mm-hmm. for the most part. So. Yeah, you not only went in and, you know, put a little pressure and little scent in there, but then you changed their whole little little muster area yep. there, and, you know, it, it don't take much. Exactly, and all the daylight pictures went to dark, yep. and 
And the thing was, I didn't overhunt it. I hunted it that night, killed that buck. I didn't come back. Oh, my dad did. My dad came back and did he miss a good buck? No, he, he had a caught. good. He got he had he got busted. That's yep. right. He had a good buck coming in the rut, and right underneath him, he went to pull back, and the deer caught him. You yep. know, so that stand could have developed another good buck out of there. And then the year I go in there next year, and I trim up some stuff, make it a little the the you know the little pocket in there a little bigger, and put a water hole in, and do all this. And it's like, I think us as hunters always think like we could be doing something doing something else to help us but in, in reality you know everybody always says it first time then is the best you mm-hmm. know what i mean get in there and hunt it and that's when it usually happens and it's like i'm learning that learning it. and i think everybody kind of learns it and you have to learn it the hard way sometimes but like even with the one acre i'm learning that like you gotta stay the hell out of there you mm-hmm. know and then it's gonna happen so well yeah you can't go too drastic and if you don't take them chances i mean just just like i've talked about you know going in there with the scent you know you take them chances if the wind's blowing the wrong way but um the fact of trimming something or putting water here putting water there if you don't try it you're not gonna know and right it's process elimination exactly now you know and for yep. the next time and that'll grow back i mean that's got a bunch out of mile back in the yep. beehive to where it's just not going too far at once far as i'm concerned right so went down that rabbit hole a little bit there, but let's get back on track. So year two, you guys didn't kill anything on it. You had a good buck on there. You got you. I mean, you were getting pictures all year of good bucks yeah. on there, if I remember yep. right. So then transitioned to year three, and that's when you started getting. You opened up the plot and made it bigger, right? You put a yep. corn like a cornfield in there, basically. So explain that. Like what what that take? Because you had automobiles all over, and you know, did you have to take any of those automobiles out? And what'd you do? Um. Yeah, you know, year two, the neighbors ended up killing a couple real good bucks. They killed an 11-point that I had had that was five and a half years old, I think is what he ended up being. And But, yeah, going into year three, um, had our buddy Caleb come out, and he brought out the tractor, and it was it was just sparse out of miles in one spot. It's almost, you know, it's like two, two and a half acres yep. or so. And uh, he put the rock bucket on the tractor and just went through and just plowed them out of miles over. And, I mean, it wasn't an hour had that cleared out and he brought in uh brought in a plow plowed it down dissed it all up good and did you kill it first or did you just plow it right then with um, the tall grass no he just plowed it and i mean he had that five bottom plow that he had got from our buddy matt there and i mean he buried it it, yep. it was and it was the soil's really good over there so he did that dissed it and planted it all i don't know within a week or so yep. And that was, I mean, that was the biggest change I had had over there so far. But, you know, we have we have so much crops around us, but that little piece right there, really, um, the neighbor Rod Dents is about the closest, and that's yep. half mile or so. So that course, being virgin soil, that corn, man, it did good that year. And you did you fertilize it at all? Yep. You, you did? Yep, fertilized it that year. Virgin soil. I mean, it just and we actually, you know, we got it in just perfect. Which, you know, and anybody else that knows Michigan, you never know what the weather is right. going to be like. So, we got rain right away. Um, and shoot, I had. I mean, my cornfield was ten foot tall, and that was. I wasn't sure how it was going to be, but man, the deer. Uh, we had crazy amounts of deer at that year. So, you at is that the year you added? the other box blind nope um no that was i stuck with that was last year so you had the um, cherry tree i had the cherry tree i had i took the one down in the southeast corner and then um the first box blind that i had put that food plot in on the second year i actually expanded that trail up yep. to the top and put up probably uh oh a sixteenth of an acre of a clover field and then i put a stand up in one of them pines okay. right there on the corner yep. um and that was that was kind of where, I mean that was that was a big change, and that's kind of you know as far as planting it. I've and then you know I expanded that bottom that first plot I ever did into a horseshoe kind of wrapping around that tree. And you connected all the plots together. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Small. Um. You know that top plot I just do more or less a five foot wide strip and I kind of zigzag it and you know I that was kind of a process of elimination. Wondering talking with um our buddy Jeff. Yep. And when he come out there the one day, he was like, yeah, you know, you should do that. And I'm like, it's not a bad idea. And uh, the first year, 
and they traveled the crap out of it. I mm-hmm. mean, it's only knee-high grass all the way around it, but they right from that plot down to that other plot into the corn, and next thing you know, they pop out of the corn down into the in it. Yep. It does. I, so far, that's been that's actually worked really well for me. And I was out there with you yesterday, and one thing I saw is where you connected the plots together. So for everybody painting you a picture, so think of a horseshoe plot, like, you know, just a food plot to the to the east, and then that continues into, like, a two-and-a-half-acre cornfield, and then that comes into, like, the clover field. But what you did is where you connected those plots, that's where your stand was, and yep. each of your spots where you're going to hunt, and it – you made it almost so tight where they have to go through there, yeah. and that's where you're going to get your shot, which was very smart, yep. like I thought. And that was cool, like right there in that cherry tree. If anything wants to go from the horseshoe plot to the cornfield, they got to come right through that little funnel, that little pinch to get into it. So that was a good good move. Yeah, and that's uh, – I've noticed, you know, I was going to change that and make that a little bigger um, where the corn stops to that, and then, but that where it bottlenecks down right there, they do. They all funnel – um, you know, for the majority where them hardwoods are for, you know, for anybody that hasn't seen it, um, are kind of down to the southeast of me, more or less. The bucks all seem to come out of there. The well, and it's does, a low area too. Yeah. It's the lowest part of the property. Yep. And they travel the crap out of that. And the bucks all seem to come out of there for the most part. And then, uh, you know, the does I've gotten ever since, since we started planting that corn, now the does stay there. Yep. And that's been my biggest feat is I've got some old does, yep. and they they push the bucks off. I've actually watched them. They push them bucks off until they're rut. So mm-hmm. it that's been my biggest um, issue because you don't have trees. You don't have cover. Trying to hunt that, them does 100 yards away, they can spot you every move you it's make. Tough. So yeah. access is tough. Yeah. So going, you're into year three now, and... I can't. I like I said. I can't remember what happened year three. But how'd the fall go? How was the fall? Um, we seen a lot of deer. Uh, you know, she ended up killing a good deer out there. That good eight point. Mm-hmm. Um, with the broken three. Was that with a gun? Nope. That was a bow. Uh, that was. So that would have been the year that I tagged out on October fourth. Oh, um, right. So, two so years you were prior. done four days yep. in the season. So you didn't hunt it at all. Yep. Um, and actually had was wanting that i had a buck over there that at that point was four and a half mm-hmm. uh, just a tall tight 10 and he was a stud of a deer um and she ended up getting that other one and then you know the rest of the year i actually just went and spent my time sitting over there in the blind yep. uh and i put a hay bale out there in the winter went out there with the late bow um and a muzzle loader ended up killing a couple deer and just more or less watching and taking inventory and you know that's where kind of leading up to last year uh i watched a split brow nine point that was that i believe was two and a half that year um but yeah man it was just they piled in there into that corn and late season so i just i just sit there for that year kind of and you went in there late season and killed some does yep i went in yep I killed one with a bow, and then I killed one with a muzzleloader late yep. season, and then I actually brought my grandpa in to shoot one. <laughs> Wait a second. We, I got to go back because that was the year you skipped the arrow off the blind, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, I wasn't <laughs> going to go there with that. <laughs> that yeah. I can't, I, can't, I almost forgot about that. Yep, I built that box blind, and I put regular, just regular gun windows in it, not thinking being where it is really. It's kind of in the middle of that field, and I didn't really plan on planting all the way around it, them deer skirted at all times so i figured it was going to be for a gun while it was late season i was tagged out i wasn't really in the hunt hard mode i was more of be comfortable the heater on <laughs> relax and take inventory if something steps out so i was like man i want to kill something with the bow i haven't i mean at this point it's december late december it's cold and i hadn't shot anything with it since the force so i took that out and i had these does come in four or five nights in a row finally that next morning worked out and I drew back, and I set the pin on her and touched her off. Well, <laughs> the arrow did not quite clear the ledge of the window, and all I heard was <laughs> snap. <laughs> Felt something hit me right between the eyes, and I'm like, as you know, my luck's not good. I've had two bows blow up on me. So soon as uh, soon as that happened, I just kind of sit there for a minute, and I'm like feeling for my fingers, and I can feel that I'm not like, 
bleeding all over and everything, and I open up and I see this nice broadhead mark going right across the windowsill. <laughs> Deer all scattering, and oh yeah, I had pieces and parts of the arrow in the blind. But your bow didn't blow up. Nope, nope, just, <laughs> just the arrow. The arrow. <laughs> when you text me that picture of that windowsill, I lost it. Oh man, <laughs> I was. I, she was good as dead too. I was eating her already, but yeah. So that was uh, that was kind of that kind of finalized year three. It was. I mean, there was a lot of good deer that were out there, but it was just. Yeah. I you know after like I said I got so much stuff I was doing some side jobs I didn't get out in the woods a lot after mm-hmm. October fourth. Yeah. Just I didn't really need to I guess. Well, I heard a lot of bitching and complaining that you weren't hunting, but I'm over here grinding. Everybody <laughs> else is, and you're, I'm like. I would take anything to tag out on October 4th and those two deer every year. Yeah. Well, it it wouldn't have been so bad if some of the couple even almost bigger ones wouldn't have showed up later on. But, yep. oh, well, I was got to complain about something. Yeah. Well, so, you know, going to last year then, last year you basically maintained the same plan, but then you added one more box blind. That yep. you could shoot a bow out of. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, well, that kind of, that was my deciding factor that year. You know, I sit there, after I text you that morning, I sit there and I'm like, first off, I put a lot of time into that blind. That that blind's nice and it's comfortable, but I almost, I was so mad that morning, even over a doe, that I wanted to go out and take the saw to it and start putting bow windows in it. And I was just like, you know what, I'm going to just break down, go over to guy we know there that makes has the Amish make blinds for him and he sells them and I'm gonna buy some box blinds and the the other goal of that was because I couldn't hunt that much and I know what the potential is over there is keep myself you know as far as concealed as far as movement and wind yep so that was the goal last year was to put that in and I actually kind of expected when putting it in that it was gonna mess it up a little bit because i was going to be more or less putting it right down in that first plot i ever did the horseshoe plot yep and i'm moving more or less right into their honey hole it's not like putting a stand in a tree i'm putting a box blind up in the air right on top of where they're coming out so um i didn't plan on you know i plan on it kind of screwing it up for a year or two but it was it would be worth it in the end i guess so so you put that up and then Going into the season, so you planted corn again. Yep. How'd the corn do? Not not good. Not as good. Nope. Ever since that first year, that first year it come up real good. Year two and three, them does started living on my place because the food started was there. Started eating a lot of it. Yep. Um, and I, I did keep more or less hay food year round, which yep. was my goal. And, you know, 20 acres, I've been able to find seven, eight sheds a year in Michigan. Yep. And that's that's not an easy feat in itself. Um but when you start keeping that food around, them does don't leave. Late season food's huge. Yeah. So, which, you know, at one point I'm like, man, it kind of sucks because they push the doe bucks out and they're not letting my corn get up. But what are we putting it out there for? We want right. the deer. So it's it's doing what it is. Um, but last, yeah, last year my corn didn't do that well. I ended up making some makeshift scarecrows putting out there and kind of moving them around. And it ended up kind of halfway catching back up and you know did the scarecrows help you think yeah absolutely keep but, the deer away um but i noticed about every week and a half two weeks you have to go out and move them because they actually get used to them and really yeah so so that that's more trips out into the farm too yep. so it's like that's a dedication that you got to do and you know throughout the summer at least just to get your corn to a, a point where you know the deer can't yeah take it over they just know? want it when it's nice and you know when it's soft and tender yep. and, uh, and that might be something i do this year and we'll get into it here in a little bit we'll talk about the cattle yard but that might be something i do but so you did the you did the scarecrow thing and it helped but you had to move them yep yep um i i noticed that it, it started, you know, the corn started getting up a little bit and then all of a sudden boom the deer were back in there so it was like all right well move them 15 feet this way and that way and it did help but i almost started doing it too late so my yield as far as my corn was um it was slim and then the weeds got in there and it got up in like a week higher than what i could spray it so the weeds overtook it and yeah i i had a i had a rough go on the food plots last year but but you had clover in the top plot right yep and then what did you have in the horseshoe plot? Um, actually, last year was every one of them had all three 
um, was rape, clover, and chicory. Okay. I did all three of them other plots. They, I just went with the same thing last year. Yep. So. so then was your game plan to hunt that box blind as much as you can since it was, like, scent-free, you know, uh, um, concealment, basically. You can get in and out of it really relatively pretty easy and access was good. Were you going to stick to that and just see what happened, or what was your plan going there? For the most part, that was my plan, yeah. Um you know, and that's only, it literally is 30 yards from that cherry tree that we've all, we've. The first stand you luck. ever had. Yep. yep. So I'm, I'm, ex- I'm just on the opposite side where the wind would affect me less and I'm not having to cross that food plot going into the stand, which I actually think did help me. Um, but yeah, I was just going to kind of stick to that box blind. And like I said, I, you know, I didn't plan on getting a shot at anything this right. year with I figured I was going to screw it up by putting that out there but you know you got to take that chance and I had had a good year the year before I figured I'll take a couple of years and once that comes yep. into effect um but yeah I got got that set up got when it did all. you get it set up I want to say that I put that up in mid-June so okay. I put it up there and got it. You know, I had it all painted. I insulated it, did all that at the house, built a platform. I more or less went out, put the platform up, set the blind on it, built some stairs, went out, put them on it, and yep. called her called her a day on that. Yep. Okay. So got up mid June, painted it dark green. Yep. You know, and it's got tinted windows, which is nice. Yeah. And uh, and then you're then you know we come into the season, you got good good buck pictures and everything, just like the same. And, you know, take me through October, you know, October, November, what, what the fall? Um, well, you know, I, the one I found out later in the year that I, I kind of wish I had a winter out is like you did. Um, I bought one that had gun windows and bow windows throughout October. The couple times that I did sit there, I hunted the, the actual tree farm a few more times. I didn't get a lot of chance to get out before November, but, um, the couple times I did sit there, it seemed like. I'd see a good buck every sit, but every time they'd stop was in a gun window. In a gun window. And as soon as they'd cross that bow window, it was a full-speed walk, and you only got, that is one of the Little. downfalls to yep. a box blind, far as I'm concerned, is your your shooting windows is a lot more slim. I mm-hmm. mean, it's got its ups and its downs. So that was uh, that was something I had to fight with a little bit, and um. I, you know, so I hunted that four or five times probably in October and then hunted four or five times at the farm. And, you know, I kind of, I seen deer everywhere I went, really. I just couldn't conceal that deal. And then, you know, right around the end of that, we ended up going to Colorado yep. elk hunting. So. so when you get back from Colorado, you get back in the stand and what, when did, when did you guys get back? It was like end of October. Yeah, it was, man, I want to say, honestly, I want to say it was like the 30th. Yeah, right around Halloween. Yeah. So the rut was, actually, the rut was kicking pretty good over by us at that point. So um, at at that point, there wasn't a whole lot left on the farm that I was, like, crazy about. So I had two bucks over on the 20 acres, Little Texas, that I wanted wanted to go after. And the one had disappeared, which was that you know, double split or that single split brow nine point from the year prior. And he was kind of my regular deer, but I knew if he didn't get shot, he'd, he'd end up being back. Cause that was kind of his home territory late yep. season. So November, I don't know, it had to have been the sixth, I believe it was, um, fourth and fifth. I had hunted out there. I hunted in the box blind, had the same issue with the windows. The bucks were running does pretty good so finally i was like you know i'm gonna tough out the cold go jump in that cherry tree and i sit there the november 6th morning i think it was and uh i had a hot doe come in and eight o'clock in the morning or so i had looked over i had seven bucks all within vision and then i seen one come into the right of me i heard him heard him and i caught his antlers and I thought it was the buck from the night before. He come up 35 yards, and, you know, it's so thick through there, it was like either take the shot or don't take shot. Right. And uh, he— He came from the south, right? He came He came straight from the west, just south oh, okay. of the cherry from tree. From the cornfield. 
Yep, more okay. or less. And uh, I grunted one time, full draw, let her eat, and, you know, I mean, just hammered him. Yep. I, it, blood on impact. Ended up calling the old man and saying, you know, got got that one down from the night before, which I thought he was, and uh, he ran. I mean, I heard him pile up 45 yards, and we went back there and got him, and actually it was an eight point from the 40 yards where I shot him to the 40 yards where he died, somehow broke off his G2. <laughs> G3. Wasn't it G3 on the right? G3, yes. G3 on the right. Yep. 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 So, um that was a that was a new one for me. It was crazy seeing a fresh break like that. It was almost like it was bleeding. It was just it was crazy. But um that was that, you know, and I hunted a couple more days and then we got real busy at work. Yep. And I didn't hunt much. I hunted one or two days during gun season over there. Um seen some decent deer, but just nothing that I was Nothing that I was really after. Yep. So the neighbor killed one one of the good ones that we had been seeing, and that was that was it. So now going into this year, you're doing the same thing, not really adding much. Oh, you're going to put some border patrol up along the road. Yeah. So, so basically, like sorghum along the road to to divide, you know, block the road. Well, yeah. Last year, you know, December, I ended up going back out and I ended up getting on that double split brow oh that's right yep he Um, did show back up yep he showed back up uh i shot a doe and seen him come across the scope that night and i told my dad he was way out i'm like i know that that was that deer check trail cams sure enough and i told him because he was so persistent the year before i had watched him when i was tagged out there i says if he does the same thing i'll need one or two sits and i'll kill this deer Mm mm-hmm and sure enough, I went and crawled into the blocks blind on December 2nd. And 45 minutes in, here he comes, I mean, and laid the hammer down on him. So that was... Oh, that's right. Okay. I forgot all about that. That yep. was my... Uh, that was a good buck. Um, not a giant by any means, but I know he was at least three and a half. He was um, the one you found the shed to the yep. year before. I found both sides of his sheds, and yep. that was the one that I had took all the footage of and pictures of. And so that was that was actually one of the deer that honestly meant the most to me. Just having the his—that's first time having history, finding the it's sheds, um, yeah. watching him the year before, taking pictures, and then. Like I said, finding both his sheds was just, and that was the one deer that showed up first on trail cam, and it was like, and of course, December 2nd. December 2nd. With a bow. Yep. First late season buck I've ever shot. Yep. So, um, and that was out of the box blind. He, I mean, The one that came, you put in there? Yep. So you killed two bucks out of the same box blind? Well, the one was in the cherry tree, the first one. Oh, okay. And then the box blind yep. was the, the second one. So he come in and, I mean, offered me a 20-yard shot. Mm-hmm. So... But yeah, that was that was what wrapped up my season as far as that goes. So, like I said, this so coming into this year, you're gonna basically do the same thing. Just add yep. some border patrol. That's all you're really doing. Yep, putting the border patrol around the northeast corner, um, where I'm was kind of more or less saying people are driving by yep. the gate and looking. Just gonna try it. Um, I put in some ascanthus gigantus here a couple of years ago, and waited a little too long. The rhizomes got dry and not many of them took so um me and you had talked about that border patrol and i went and threw some money away on a couple bags of them and uh not only am i doing that but i did a big horseshoe right around that box blind so i'm hoping i can come in from that back side and be able to get up them stairs without anything seeing me and then if it works then then i'm going to go with something that's more of a temporary and i'll break down and spend the money on that miscanthus or something along that lines yeah, that's the thing. I got some bags of border patrol right over there, and I need to I need to get it out. I, I'm so far behind on the food plot thing right now, but we've been so wet. Yep. The food plot I want to get in that you and I are talking about still underwater. Well, it's still wet, but I got to get in there. I mean, it's been underwater till this last week, and then we're supposed to get rain today, tomorrow, possibly Tuesday. So it's like looking who like knows? all week. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I guess you know what would be some things that you would tell you know, people, small properties, a couple bullet points to, to keep in mind, whether it be, you know, the big ones like access and stuff like that. But like, I get, for me, it'd be like, think outside the box with different, you know, 
different scenarios and that that was my biggest thing with the one acre it's like i have terrible access but that night or that morning i shot jim avitt i did everything that i was told and taught not to do you yep. know went through an ag field in the morning hunted on a field edge which everybody says you can't kill mature deer in michigan on field edges and you know i, w- I was able to do that as well and that's all i got to hunt is field edges so like what are some things that you would tell people with small properties to do um to be successful you know and i i can tell something that someone else that has small properties that's probably been successful that is going to tell you exactly different but um far as i'm concerned you got to push your you got to push your limits a little more on small properties but you can't do it too far you know as far as pushing your limits on the what you do as far as your land you don't want to go too far with your food plots, do a little at a time, which is, is I've seen that work. Um, but as far as the, like we were talking, as far as your scent goes, you got to take some chances and you might go in and screw something up. So, you know, the next time, but, um, you have the potential. It's just the, the biggest thing I see is, you know, the people don't want to put the sweat equity in or mm-hmm. spend a little bit of money. Right deer ain't going to come to a 20 acre parcel or a 10 acre or even a 40 acre parcel for nothing. If you Mm -hmm. don't spend some money, put some food, put some sweat equity time out there to give them some reason to come in there, they're not going to do it. Well, you might get an opportunity, but that opportunity might be five, six years apart. Yeah, You know what I mean? It's not consistent year after year. And it's like, I mean, it's in your best interest to to stack the chips in your favor, you know, and do whatever you can that way. And I always say, you know, when we step on the property, even though it's our property, we're at an away game. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Deer know that 20 acres, like the, like it's, you know, it's their bedroom basically. So they know that they know when you pull in with your truck, they know when you walk down the grass, you know, to get in your stand, they, they just know that, you know? So it's like. The, the odds are already stacked against us. Do the things that you need to, to. Yeah, and I think, you know, I mean, five years we've killed six, I would say, respectable, very respectable deer yeah. off it from Michigan. So I have, I mean, I like to look at it as we're doing something right. We've killed the does. We're housing them there. We're having multiple opportunities. It's just, you know, am I doing something wrong that could be bringing in a bigger buck yet i don't know but yeah um i've i've had to push you know the limits as far as hunting the perfect winds and going in and you know do i put this cornfield in do i make this and um going small and slowly working into it i feel like is your as would be my biggest thing and then with a smaller parcel which a lot of people that's all they have mm-hmm. but over hunting it is a big thing you know right oh yeah and i think that's the biggest thing you can do i mean of course every guy wants to get out and hunt every day in october every day in november but um a smaller parcel is even worse you you can over hunt it real easy and i was talking to a guy the other night too and big deer hunter you and i both know him but he loves deer hunting well he took up duck hunting as well you know, and that's, he's got property that he can duck hunt on and that he doesn't necessarily have to deer hunt on. But he said that was one of the the biggest things that he did, you know, to keep himself busy, even though he's like, I want to go deer hunting, you know, and I can't do that. I just, I, I like duck hunting, but it's like, it's a deer season to me. But yep. I'm what I'm trying to say is, you know, take up something to take up more of that time so you're not sitting every day maybe. Or if you have enough spots where you can go and not booger things up all the time then yeah go i mean go hunt as much as you can and i'm not saying don't hunt all the time but the one acre i can maybe hunt it depending on the weather a couple times you know four right. or five times and then it's basically you got to get out of there like you got to let it sit you know um but it's just one of those things it's you kind of gotta push your limits like you said but then really know when to pull on the reins and stay yeah. back yeah, you got to push your limits, but restrict yourself, and it's that's a tough, fine line. I guess you kind of have to figure out. I mean, yeah, and that, and that goes different for every property. You got the perfect twenty acres or perfect ten acres, you might be able to go crazy on food plots and hunt it every night of the year. Yep. But I guess you kind of gotta really put your time in to figure out what you can do there, mm-hmm. and you're gonna make mistakes sooner or later. You're gonna spook deer. 
But at the end of the day, I mean, that's learning curve. For sure. So I guess we're about up on time here, but I want to talk about uh, hunting out of box blinds. Now, you've, you've done it the last couple of years for with a bow, I mean. Um, I just went and got another box blind, so I have two now. But now I can hunt out of a uh, with a bow out of this one. I bought all bow windows, and we yep. bought them from a guy we know, Jeff Snyder. So if anybody wants any blinds in the greater Remus area, Central Michigan area, Jeff, uh, they build some awesome blinds. And basically, any way you want, they're all rough sawn lumber, all boxed in with good windows. You can have, you know, tinted windows if you want. You can have regular windows. You can have all gun blinds. You can have gun blind. Windows with bow windows or all bow windows. I mean, yeah. anything, he'll he'll build it for you, you know, and they're reasonable in price. Yeah, square, octagon. I mean, they yep. got chicken coops. He's got a lot of stuff on hand, um, and the prices are definitely reasonable. And if he don't have it, he can he can yeah. build it for you, and they do. They build the platforms. I mean, they got, yep. like, a full ready set stairway. I yeah, mean, he was. I was just over there yesterday, and he was showing me their platforms. Yep. So they, they got everything over there. Yeah, and he's just south of Remus. If anybody uh, knows Remus area, he's south there, probably, what, three miles? Yep, corner of six, M66 and, and Millbrook. Yep, so. you'll see blinds or blinds are out there on the side of the road all yep. the time. But hunting box blinds so this year in the one acre i'm putting up two box blinds on you know on stilts and you know for gun season yes but to be able to bow hunt out of them and this is something i'm fighting with because i've made this one acre now with the hinge cutting and the frost seeding and all that stuff the deer freaking love it they will not come out of it well i mean they'll come out of it but they love to be in there because it's so thick and they've got water and food right there so now it's hard to hunt. So now I'm going to hunt the edges of it, you know, 60, 80 yards off. And it's one of those things that I'm fighting with. It's like, you know, how do I get the deer out in the field? Well, I think the years when it's going to be corn and beans, I think it's going to be good. This year it's wheat. So it's going to be barren the whole mm-hmm. year, you know, once the wheat comes off. And, but it's one of those things that I can get in tight with not a lot of trees and be able to hunt and, you know, might not see a lot of deer, but it might be that time where you do see some good deer and now I can I can I can press some winds some different winds that I wouldn't be able to in a stand because I'm completely concealed leave the window shut in it and you know they're they're rock solid tight you know so it's it's different you know I've never really hunted out of a box blind with a bow uh filmed out a lot of them but I mean, what's your take on it? A lot of people see the juries doing it all the time, and they're like, oh, that's so easy of hunting, you know, on a food plot and everything. And it's like, to me, man, it, you know, you got to hunt the way that your property will allow it. Yeah. You know, if you don't have a lot of trees, I think it's a great way, and a great way to get kids into it too, you know. Well, at the end of the day, you know, the juries are filming. They're trying to cover up. They got not only, a, I mean, they don't just have a hunter. They got camera equipment. They yep. got you, and you know that. They're trying to cover up movement, scent, and, I mean, let's be honest, them boys, they know what they're doing. It don't matter where they're at, they're killing big bucks. And if you can continually do that, any state, you're doing something right. So people should take it something from them. Well, and that deer that Mark shot, I think it was Danger or something like that, it was 220 inches or something like that. They put that box blind in the day before they killed him mm-hmm. or something like that. They knew he was – there was no trees in there. I mean, you watch the episode on or go on their YouTube and watch it, but they literally brought the tractor and put the box blind on a new platform right there, hunted the next day, and killed that deer. Yep. You know, so it's like, you know, I don't know. The deer literally walked straight by the the platform and the blind, and you can see the in the frame, you can see the wood and everything. They didn't even paint it or nothing. It's like – I think you can get them away with a little more of that in different states. You know, yeah. we're, we're used to, um, I think a deer comes out and is like, holy crap, there's a new blind here. It, well, we're, they're not saying blind, but they're saying something, yeah, you know. We're steering away from this for the yeah. next month and a half. But, um, no, I think I think you get away with a lot more, but you do. You put some more aspects into it of um, is it going to mess it up for a year or two or is it, I think, the biggest thing is with, especially with you is going to be your access of being able to get into it where, um, that, and then like you said, getting them deer out there 60 to 80 yards, you know, at this point you, I mean, you, you witnessed it last year with Jim Abbott. You can't hardly get into there now. You did, you did what you wanted. You got the deer to stay there, but if you can't get in there, 
So now, now you got to adapt and okay, you might not be able to hunt it and tell the rut where you got a decoy to pull them out yep. to that close, or you get a hundred percent comfortable enough to shoot in 60 to 80 yards, which, you know, of course, a lot of people are going to frown upon, but right. if you're, if you know your equipment, it can be done pretty easily. So yep. as far as that being said, you know, I mean, I, I think they're great. I, I had good luck and at the end of the day, I can hunt longer. I mean, I can sit in there and I, I will, I'm not afraid to throw a heater in there. And I mean, oh, yeah. when I shot that 10.20 yards, I had the heater going, it was warm, it was, and you can call me a sissy or call me whatever but at the end of the day i put a good another good buck on the wall yeah um and and it was an accomplishment because it was out of that blind that i set that year for right that Mm -hmm. so it's comfortable and that's the thing like you said any way to be able to get you in the woods and sit longer and have more opportunity then do that you know i opted to buy i bought the blind from jeff that's got the tinted windows like you were telling me you know, low light, you got to open up the windows. Usually it's kind of yep. tough, but that thing's awesome. When you get it out there and you look at it, you can't see hardly at all in those blinds, and especially if you paint them in the inside, you know? Yeah. And that's what I did. I went dark on the inside and I've, I've tested it, um, against some, you know, mature does and with them windows shut and that dark inside, they legitimately cannot see mm-hmm. you five yards. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about it yesterday and, um, I think that's a biggest thing. And, Especially, you know, the other big thing is we're trying to get kids out there and stuff, and yeah. you got a daughter coming up. This box blind, you know, she's kind of a jabber jaws, just re- yep. realize she knows <laughs> how to talk. So that's your biggest feat. But as far as here soon, you get that established in two, three years where she can, like, get that aspect of being quiet. I yep. mean, that's when you're going to realize now I'm set up to where I right. can start taking her. and Yep. So that's the thing. And I've got two of those blinds now. I want to buy a third one for the cattle yard in yep. which we can get into real quick here. Um, you know, over on the, on the, on my family farm and you're, you're well aware of it. You know, the lay of the land, you've been around there a lot, you know, on the West side of the, or East side of the property, there's this long stretch of, you know, I don't know if trees didn't grow there or if my, you know, uncle Bill just didn't plant them there. You know, I don't know because there's pine trees, and then it's like 40 yards wide, and then it's the property line. I don't know why he wouldn't have, because I wasn't obviously around when he had it or, you know, even my my relatives before that. But it's about three acres, and it's just tall grass, yep. you know. And I've been putting a food plot in there the last, you know, eight years maybe. Maybe not eight years, six years, something like that. But it's really sandy, and this year you kind of – talk to you a little bit about it and you know the neighbor jake and he's gonna let me use his his grain drill but i think gonna do a bean field and see if i can get some beans to grow up in there yeah and we've talked about that in the past many many times and it's over many many (laughs) barley pops (laughs) yep more or less just getting you to not be so cheap and spend a little little bit of cash in there but no um at the end of the day it's it is, it's not far from the beehive that we talked about a little yeah. bit ago. It's, it's really not. There's, you know, as the crow flies 150 yards or something like Maybe, that. Yeah. If that, if that, and it is, it's in the middle of more or less two perfect bedding areas yep. that's untouched. And I think that that's an absolute gold mine there. It's just getting that you got to compete where you're at there. You got to compete with food. So, yep without giving them two, three acres of something good, you're not going to pull them to it. Right. So to kind of paint the picture, there's, well, I don't even know. They need to reseed the hay field that's up top. I don't know what they're doing with that. That's brutal. This it's, year. <laughs> it's bad. Like, I had no idea. I don't even think there's even any alfalfa or hay in it, you know. Mm-hmm. But so if you come off of that field to the east, like you said, probably 150 yards, it goes through a section of timber, a hardwood timber, into a section of pines, and then the open area, and then the property line. But on the pro- other side of the property line, it's a Christmas tree farm that has been grown up, and it is thicker than hair on a dog's back. I mean, it, you when you walk there, you got to be on your hands and knees, you know, to get through there. And you, yep. we know the deer are bedding in there, oh, you yeah. know. And so, to, our neighbor, na- my neighbor Jake, he's you know, you grew up with them, and I know him as well. 
they hunted over there, but it's he even said it's tough hunting and you know it's thick and I think they're gonna leave it over there, which access is tough. And the other thing that hurts me is just to the northeast of it is a campground. Yeah. You know, so there's always people back there and um but like you said, you know, you, you never know until you try. The deer might just hammer three acres of beans, you know, mm-hmm. and not even let them get up. And uh, the scarecrow idea is a good idea. I might do that. But tractor's down right now, too, so I'm trying to rally rally the troops to get a tractor to help. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, and, the, you know, the, the campground is a, a feat you're going to have to deal with at this point. But um, that was there when you killed them coming out of yep. the beehive it's just like I mean, just like all these people doing these killing these giants in rural urban areas. People people get used to, or deer get used to people. Mm-hmm. And at the that point, I mean, you know, it's just I don't think that's going to affect you. I mean, they're they're there. They see it every day. They know what's yep. going on. Um, but if you can get something to grow in there, yeah, it's going to be. I think sky's the limit in that spot. It's just yeah. just getting in there, putting the time, and I mean. You might find out after the first year that it that it ain't worth it, or you might right. find out that you've been missing out on something for quite a while. So right, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, within the next couple of weeks, I can get the beans in the ground. We're already kind of getting late here, but if not, if 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 that doesn't happen, I do have you know some clover and and stuff that I'm going to put in at least to make some something out of it and have something in there. So we'll see. Yeah, well, hopefully you can get them beans in there, and next thing you know, you'll be needing another box blind up there. And One's going to have to happen because Peyton's getting older, and yep. you know that's my spot on the farm for rifle hunting too. So just to be able to take her out there and see deer and look at deer, she loves looking at deer. We have deer come in the yard every night. And oh, that's what she wanted to see yesterday, yep. man, babies. Yep, babies. she calls them all babies. Yep. All the deer are babies. So. Well, cool, man. Let's, 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 uh, we're at just over an hour and we'll wrap this up but i appreciate you coming on and doing this again yep and uh yeah i'll uh, let you have the rest of your sunday so yeah well i appreciate you having me on and yeah we'll have to do it again towards or after season or something for sure all right there it is another great episode you know the second time aaron's been on the podcast and you know i think there's a lot of cool information in this one and a lot that you guys can take from it and and maybe you know implement it on your farm so I appreciate him coming on here and doing this. And, you know, it's midday on a Sunday. I'm watching the baby monitor as my daughter's sleeping in her bed, and I'm just waiting for her to wake up at any moment. But, um, yeah, like I said, I appreciate him coming on and doing this. So, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you guys to, if you could, go to iTunes and, you know, leave a five-star rating. Click the five stars if you would, please, and leave some feedback, you know. Let me know what you think about this episode. Let me know what you think about everything. Maybe you don't like it. Maybe you do like it. I appreciate it to hear you know what you guys are thinking so i can hone in on a little more you know topics that you guys want to hear possibly so i appreciate you guys listening and uh don't forget next week we'll have an all-new episode thanks guys country rules were not created by man don't miss wild country wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m eastern presented by primos speak the language waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment brave anglers search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv